0: Hi, I'm your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to My Weirdest Experience Podcast. This is the podcast of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you, and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. It's also a place where we discuss what happened to you, and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, I have a fellow podcast host named Simon Bound, and he is the host of the Past Lives Podcast. His podcast is about past lives. Um, the supernatural, um, all those topics that I love to talk about. So welcome to the show, Simon.
1: Hi, it's really nice to be here. Thanks for letting me come on and uh, talk about all this stuff.
0: Sure. And uh, we were just speaking before I pressed the recording. um, And Simon was sharing a story about his experience with angels and as many of you know I do have my own business it's called Stargazing Angel because I feel very connected to angels and I love talking about them so I can't wait to hear your story.
1: Yeah well I I was interviewing um, a woman on my podcast and she'd written a book she co-authored it with the medium called Claire Broad And I was talking to her about all sorts of things. And she came up with this idea of angels and angels around us and looking after us and looking over us. And uh, she said, sometimes they'll leave a calling card. They'll just like a white feather. Mm -hmm. And um, then the day after I recorded it, I was walking along the street and I was thinking about that. And it was that kind of synchronicity of, the exact moment I was thinking about angels leaving a calling card a white feather just floated out of the sky right in front of me and I just you know you could just think oh well, it's a coincidence you know there's always birds flying around and it was just but it was the timing of it that it was exactly at that point I was thinking about it and so I didn't really think that much about it and a few weeks later I interviewed Claire Broad the medium who was the co-author And I sat after the recording and I said, oh, this, you know, I had this feather fall out of the sky right in front of me. And she, she was interested. And then we finished the call and I went downstairs where my daughter's bedroom is. She's a teenager. And I went in and the carpet was completely empty across the whole carpet. And there was a feather right in the middle of the carpet. So I'd been talking to the first author about it and a feather came down I talked to the second author about seeing a feather I come downstairs and there's a feather and it turns out that it belonged to my daughter and I said to her, how did it get there and she says I don't know I didn't put it there and it was like it wasn't like um you know a teenager's bedroom was terrible mess and there's just junk everywhere she's really tidy and clean and so for it to have been there was it was peculiar and so there was like the first feather of the second one. It's like you're moving up levels and they're compounding the synchronicities mm-hmm. because I suppose any night of the week that feather could appear in the middle of the carpet. But it appeared when I'd just been talking to a medium about angels leaving feathers. So, you know, that that's like the next thing. So I was talking to Claire and um, this was before anything COVID happened. And I asked her if she knew any good mediums that I could book with. And she said, there's somebody that's really close to me that she knows really well as a friend of hers who's a great medium. And so I booked with her, this lady, Kathy Busby, and she was great. She had names and information, that stuff you just couldn't look up on Facebook or anywhere. And anyway, when I booked the sitting with her, I didn't give her my name. You know, I gave her a false name. She didn't know I was a podcaster or I knew her friend, Claire, Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And so after the we'd done the mediumship sitting, she said to me, so how did you get my number? And I said, well, I know Claire. And we were talking about the podcast. And I said, oh, this thing happened with the feathers. And I told her about what happened. And I was sitting back in this chair. and She said, look at the floor. And there was a feather in the floor in between us. And I'd been sitting there like a whole hour while she was doing the mediumship. That floor was clear. There was no feather there. And then I and when you say when you asked me about a story that kind of changed you or made mm-hmm. you think differently, and I, the feather was there. And I was just like, it was like my brain came to a full stop. I just was gobsmacked. I I just could not explain where that feather came from. <laughs> and so it was like different layers compounding upon each other, building up. The first one was, could have been a coincidence. The second one was too much of a coincidence because we've been discussing feathers turning up. And then the third one talking to this medium, it was almost like some kind of, you know, like physical mediumship had happened. Mm-hmm. They call them a don't they? When it's like the spirits leave things, the, the coins and all sorts of little things. And so it it just that I was talking about, I don't know if this is before we start recording that sometimes things seemed a bit too crazy for me. When I started the podcast, I was looking for verifiable facts to do with reincarnation and children with past lives and mm-hmm. people who've had near-death experiences. And if somebody had said to me angels, I would have thought, oh, that's a bit too crazy for me or a bit too woo if if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but now i'm completely stuck with it you know i i can't explain it away how these three feathers turn up
0: i think when you're open to one alternative topic you know like ufos how can you dismiss you know bigfoot then it's like i don't think you can really pick and choose you just have to be open to it you know especially if somebody's coming to you with a firsthand experience I would never tell that person you're crazy or you didn't see what you saw or you didn't feel what you feel like I think that's so disrespectful and that we have to accept what people tell us even even if we disagree i mean you probably have this on your podcast you probably don't agree with everything that everyone tells you on your podcast you know what i mean me too but i keep my mouth shut because (laughs) (laughs) you know this is their story you know and so i respect people's stories and experiences no matter you know what i think of it yeah don't you agree
1: yeah how i do my podcast is I try and be a facilitator for my guests so that they can get their information out the best way they can mm-hmm. and I leave it for the the listeners to decide whether or not they want to accept it right and so it's it's not because I got an email once saying you know hey how come you don't challenge these people on these things why did you why don't you argue the point with them and I said no that's not what my podcast is about it's not like I'm a journalist and I'm fighting for the truth or something. <laughs> and that, you know, I'm have to challenge a politician who's doing something stupid.
0: Right. Yeah, it's you, a it's a discussion, it's a conversation, you know.
1: It's- yeah, yeah. And it's it's like um UFO's sightings. I've had two close up UFO sightings, and one of them, you know, it, it was it was so obviously so it was so close to me. It wasn't just a light in the sky. It was this craft that was just maybe 20, or 30 feet off the ground. And it didn't move an inch the whole time I saw it. And then somebody after me said, to, oh, it was a helicopter. And I said, well, it was really close to me and it was silent. You know, you can hear a helicopter two miles away.
0: Mm-hmm. And they
1: said, no, no, it was a helicopter. And they dismissed it so quickly and easily. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, no, I know better than you. I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but I still know better than you. But, but
0: so, they many wouldn't people, challenge your... yeah, so many people are so stuck on their beliefs. Yeah. You know, it's but, almost like they have these blinders on and they said, well, this doesn't, this doesn't match to my belief system. So I'm going to ignore it or deny it or tell you, why you didn't see it or feel it, you know? And it, and, they, and they, um, yeah they wouldn't doubt your
1: perception if it was something mundane if you were if you came to see them and said hey i I saw this uh, Ferrari in the street the other day, and I saw that on the internet it's worth three million pounds and you think, Wow, that's amazing seeing this such this amazing car They wouldn't doubt you. They wouldn't mm-hmm. say to you oh no, that that was just a Ford. You didn't see a Ferrari. And you think <laughs> well I, yes, I did' <laughs> They wouldn't question you on it, would they? But they question you when you say, "I saw something really extraordinary." Right. They know better than you, then, don't they?
0: Well, they're just denying it, and because they're afraid to to change or accept something that's outside their belief system. And um, so it is what it is. You know, you can apply that to anything: spirituality, politics. Nationalism, yeah. race—I
1: mean, yeah. right? Yeah, and I think sometimes, um, you know, I, I get emails from people who have lost somebody, and they're they're looking for something, and I, and they say that how much the podcast helps them because it's it's all about the afterlife and evidence that consciousness carries on. And there are some people also have a great anxiety of dying. And I think these people are around us and they never talk about it because they're scared to or something. But I get emails, people say that they're so terrified of death and it keeps them awake at night. And it's an anxiety that affects them through their life. And they hear these podcasts with all this information and it can release, relieve them of this anxiety. And it really changes their lives. And so when I see people who are kind of, you might say, aggressive atheists who are trying to insist and force you into this belief that there's no afterlife, that seems like quite a mean-spirited thing to do. It's, kind of, I feel like, okay, if you're an atheist and you feel there's no afterlife, then believe that. But don't keep shouting at everybody because it can cause, you know, damage in some way. Some people can get really affected by it Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and usually they they don't know what they're talking about as well the atheists so
0: the people that are that you've encountered who are afraid of dying are the do those people believe there's no afterlife are they afraid that this is it like is that where the fear comes from
1: yeah that i suppose it's this idea of complete annihilation when you die but uh I, i don't believe that myself and when you hear this amazing information on so many podcasts when people who've had a near death experience and they say when i I was outside of my body i saw this thing and the people will say well no you were dead then you couldn't possibly have seen that Mm -hmm. you know i I can give you an example if you want there was a guy who was taken into the emergency room because he'd had a heart attack and they were trying to revive him and he watched them trying to revive him. And then he floated up out of that room into the next floor above. And he saw this hospital ward that was really weird. He said the beds were full of mannequins and there was no staff there. And there were all these computers at desks all along the middle of the the row. And uh, when he was resuscitated, he he was lying in the bed afterwards, a couple of days afterwards, and he said to the nurse, you know, I had this weirdest experience. I saw upstairs all these beds full of mannequins and all the computers. And she said, that's that's our teaching ward. There's special medical mannequins that we practice CPR on them. And, this is, and we sit in the middle with the computers when we're getting taught by a lecturer. And so that ward was real and there were all the mannequins. But he'd never been to that hospital before. And they wouldn't have let him in that ward anyway, even if he had gone there. So how could he know that that ward existed like that? There's no way he could have known that. But he saw it when he was supposed to be dead, when he was hooked up to all these machines. And they knew for sure he was flatlined. There was no brain activity at all. And yet he was able to be conscious and create memories and see something that there's no way he'd know about. And throughout my podcast, I've met, met, I say met, I've talked to so many people who have these kind of experiences. And I think people in mainstream don't know about any of them or might know about one or two. And there are some very kind of aggressive debunkers who say that it's all debunked now. It's not real, but actually they, they don't really know the background to it all. And, uh, you know, this is, this is what my podcast is about, It's finding out this information and finding out there's so much of it there and it being a little weird that it doesn't get out there as much as I feel it should do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how can you debunk somebody's experience and then they receive validation from the nurse that what they actually saw is actually upstairs above that yeah. room?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, Sounds like uh,
0: proof to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I've done over 170 episodes, and I, I'm still finding more and more people who have these kind of verifications. And, and, I, 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 and I,
0: you don't even have to die to leave your body. I mean, there are people who go to sleep maybe and might leave their body and see their body sleeping in the bed.
1: Well, I could tell you a weird experience. Okay. Not that happened to me. One of my guests, she um, she woke up one night standing next to her bed and at the bottom of the bed were four ETs, these greys, grey aliens. Mm-hmm. And she was suddenly, like, freaked out and terrified. And she looked round and realised her body was still in the bed and that she was having an out-of-body experience and these greys were there. And the second she realized she was out of her body, she was like, bang, straight back into her body. Mm-hmm. And she sat up. There's no aliens there at all. No ETs. And it's as though that the ETs were existing in that astral plane where she was when she was out of her body. Yep. And so, yeah. Which is a bit creepy because they could still be in the room with her, but she just can't see them.
0: Right. Right. So she was only able to see them when she was, she moved out of her body, but in her body, she can't see them.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's like two different realities happening at the same time.
1: Yeah, it's kind of uh, dimensional or or something. I, I don't know how to describe it, but I've got such an interest in UFOs and alien abduction, and it does seem like the these ETs are not just uh, like Star Trek, just people like us in metal spaceships traveling around. There's something spiritual, something transdimensional where they're coming in from somewhere else yeah so was you know
0: was this woman abducted had she been abducted before
1: no that's she was on because she had a book about um how to kind of contact your spirit guides so we were talking about that kind of spiritual side of things Mm -hmm. about your soul about reincarnation about um, why you would be incarnated and why your spirit guides are there and what your spirit guides are for. So it was mm-hmm. nothing to do with UFOs and ETs.
0: <laughs> I find that some I see a lot of things and I see things in my dreams that I may not want to see. And I And I've come to the point in my dreams, well, if I see a being that I don't want to see, I tell them to go away. You know, um, or if yeah. I'm doing a shamanic journey and I see a, a being, you know, I tell it to go away or bring in my guardians, you know, and then they disappear. So if it anybody out there is having some funky dreams or you know, this lady who saw the grays, I would have been like, get out of my room right now <laughs> <laughs> and don't ever come back. <laughs>
1: I know a um a hypnotherapist that does something called spirit releasement therapy. Yes. And mm-hmm. and part a very small part of it is to do with ETs. And when he does the hypnosis, he seems to find that the ETs have attached some kind of device to the person, but in an mm-hmm. astral plane, not like physically. an implant. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but not a physical one that we could find. Right. It's done on the astral plane. And mm-hmm. so part of this hypnosis, it says to the person, okay, ask the ETs to come forward now. And so could you see them now? And they're, yeah. They're standing in front of me. Okay. I just say to the ETs, I don't want this thing on my back. Can you please remove it? And the ETs are, are all like, okay, you got us. Fair enough. We'll take <laughs> it away. Yep. Yep.
0: Um, yeah. So uh, in your podcast, you've got, Over 200 episodes, almost 300. Uh, What is the craziest story that you've been told on the podcast? What stands out for you?
1: I, I don't know. There's so much stuff I've been told and I've talked to so many people. And the other day I was doing some research to find more guests and I saw somebody and I thought, oh, they'd be a great guest. And then I thought, no, hang on a second. I interviewed them in episode eighty, and that was such a long time ago. I've forgotten that I'd talked to them yeah but but there's um it's crazy, it depends what you mean by crazy. There's the guy called Robert Snow, who was a homicide detective, I think it was philadelphia thirty eight years he was a homicide detective, mm-hmm. and a woman in his precinct was saying, "Yeah, you've got to do a past life regression." and he was saying no, i don't want to do this rubbish leave me alone and he said it got to the point he'd be walking through the precinct he'd see her come and he'd quickly dive in the office next to him to avoid her and he thought <laughs> this is this is getting silly so i'll just i'll do the regression i'll prove it's a load of rubbish and that'll be the end of it and he had the regression and he went on to prove that the life he saw in his past life regression was real and he called it 28 proofs and he was a detective and he used his skills of you know search to find all this information, so that was a pretty crazy story. He's such a great talker, and it was like I could ask him a question, and then he'd talk for twenty five minutes and I didn't have to interrupt. It was just <laughs> fascinating and twenty
0: eight um, proofs is that a book that he wrote
1: no it, the book is um portrait of a past life skeptic I think it's oh, called oh uh-huh. And he's written a lot of books now, and he also writes kind of true crime stuff because he knows he can write about things that he's been involved with, murder inquiries. But he it was a, he went to this life in the past life regression where he saw himself painting. That's why he's called it a part, a portrait of a past life skeptic because he was a painter, portrait painter in his previous life, but he wasn't famous. It was like people would pay him two or $300 and he'd do the portrait and he wasn't great, but he was okay. And that's how he Mm -hmm. made his living. Mm -hmm. And he saw himself painting this hunchback woman. And um, he tried to find that painting because he was sure it was some kind of subconscious memory because he'd seen it during this life and uh, he just could not find it. And eventually he gave up and he was on holiday in New Orleans And he went into this tiny little gallery and he went upstairs to all the, the lower level paintings, so to speak. And there it was that painting. And he found out who the artist was, somebody who'd never had an exhibition, never been written about his pictures had never been in any books. So how could he possibly know about this painting? Mm -hmm. And so all these other proofs were to do with finding out this guy lived in Paris, as he saw a, part of paris in this regression and uh eventually he visited the grave of that man Mm -hmm. and he had a very weird reaction to it he started shaking and he broke down in tears and he said it was like his body reacted to it not his mind it was his body freaked out so that that was a crazy story to find him doing all that research and proving that life existed and there's no way he could have known about it.
0: Yeah. Have you ever tried, have you ever been regressed like oh, past lives?
1: Many times, yeah. Because yeah. I, I'm a I got my diploma in clinical hypnotherapy and I'm trained in past life regression therapy. And um, so when I do the hypnotherapy, I take people, that's all I do is I specialize in past life regressions. And I've done some today and did some yesterday. And it's fascinating how the past lives connect up with the current lives and people come to me with an issue and you know we we can see these connections and then we can break the bond between the two lives and we can say leave all this negative energy behind don't bring it through anymore and it's it's this idea that your subconscious is bringing it through so we talk to the subconscious and It's kind of we say to it, look, we know you're doing your best and you do such a fantastic job. And we know you just want the best for us. But would you mind not bringing this through anymore because (laughs) it's not helping?
0: Right. Right. Have you uh, been regressed yourself? Have you done it yourself? Yeah,
1: I did my first. I was taken through a past life regression. I think it was about 1987. I went to a place in London called the College of Psychic Studies. And I wasn't a student there. I was, uh, you could go and visit because they trained mediums and they trained all sorts of people. And so you could book a session, you know, with a trainee medium or one of the mediums that did the training, or you could have a past life regression or you could uh, sit with a channel and they would channel a spirit. And so I went and I did a past life regression and it was so fascinating. And I felt things physically as well as seeing them in my mind's eye Mm -hmm. and also there was a point I found myself as a little girl in a park in London and I could feel the grass between my toes and I was lying back on this sort of bed thing and I slightly opened my eyes and I could see these little feet where my knees were it was like I had much shorter legs Mm -hmm. and um I like I went later drove through a part of North London I'd never been before and I saw that park and it's it's on a very steep steep slope it's called Primrose Hill and you know if you're a town planner you wouldn't see that place and think hey this would be a great place for a park because Mm -hmm. it's such a steep slope and the buildings around the park were exactly what I saw in the past life regression and uh, in that life I went on to be a nurse in the first world war but one of these things that I find taking people through past life aggressions and the ones I've experienced is that you can go back to a life where you were the opposite sex or you could be a different uh, ethnic, you know, you could have different skin colour or you might go back to a life where you're gay. And it, it just shows that we've all lived all these different lives and that we all have these different experiences. And so on the one side you might be a victim of racism and then in another life you'll be a racist and there's this kind of a balance there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you call it karma, but it's kind of the idea of reincarnation is that you experience all the different parts of being a human that you can. And so you, you can't do that without being all these different, you know, different genders, religions, skin colors, all the, all these different things. And it, it, can get quite emotional and I I experienced that as well Mm -hmm. and just little things like when I was that nurse in the first world war I was in this big tent with all these bunk beds and all these soldiers were coming back from the front line and these terrible injuries and they might have lost a leg or something and we were rushing around trying to help them and uh, I remember that the, uniform, the nurse's uniform was really long skirts down to the feet. And I was trying to rush around these bunk beds helping these men. And I remember getting this feeling, of, why do my skirts have to be so long, getting in the way all the time? And, you know, as a, a bloke, you never think that or feel that.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: felt like that frustration wasn't that I was just feeling it for the first time then. It felt like it was an old frustration, as though I'd felt like this many times. And um, recently I did another past life regression and I went back to that life again, but I was older and I was with this man who was really domineering and belittling. And I remember feeling so angry with him of a kind of um, thing where it was the thought was, you, you don't know who I am. You don't know how strong I am. And you don't know what I'm capable of. You don't know what I experienced, you know, in the war when I was looking after all these injured men mm-hmm. and you're just treating me like some silly little woman. And so, you know, that gives you me all this, this insight and this, this cause it was quite strong emotions and feeling those emotions makes me, you know, view people differently. I wouldn't I've, I've never been a, I don't know, a womanizer. I've never been a big beer drinker and into sports, you know, not that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And I'd never treat women disrespectfully. But, you know, being on the the end of it and having that disrespect upon me as a woman, it seems like I feel a bit weird talking like this, but it it gives me a, a viewpoint that I would never have had. And this this is one of the amazing things of past life regression. It can put you in these positions and you can learn so much and get so much insight.
0: And you probably don't disrespect women now because you were that nurse. You know, like you were treated in that certain way. And hopefully when you came back, you decided I'm going to be a male, but I'm not going to treat women this way. Yeah, you know,
1: yeah. I, I wonder about that there's this idea of old souls and young souls. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know about that because, you know, from what I can tell the afterlife, there's no such thing as time. So how can you have young and old if time doesn't exist? But you might have had souls that have had lots of lives.
0: Yes. I think that there's some souls have more experience. And than that's, others. That's, some are yeah. more adventurous, you know, like you know, like to do lots of things and they like to live in different planets and they like to come to earth, even though earth is very difficult. And then those souls that have lots of experience, those are the ones that like handle the big problems when they come, you know, the the major family dysfunction, you know, and they have horrible, horrible parents, you know, just like, terrible parents and these are the souls that they come in and they say well I can I can heal this I've done this before I can you know and they take on so much but then they come in here and they're just like why why you know why do I have so much to deal with so I think in the in the soul realm you think you can do anything you know, like, yeah, well, I'll do these 40 things on this list. <laughs> I can do that I have experience. And then you come in and it's so hard, because you get disconnected from your higher self. And then, you know, you just got all these problems. You now it's very difficult. So I do, I, I guess it's not in terms of age, it's more like, what did they have experience, it and what have they learned? You know, yeah. from those experiences,
1: and I, I feel like they're um, because they've been victims of sexism, racism, or you know, homophobia. They are a lot more. They've got a lot more empathy for the people that are different to them, and they're much less likely to be that kind of aggressive and homophobic and racist and they're much more accepting and they're much more i don't know you might say mature they might have a much greater overview of of life and they might look at somebody who's in pain and and want to help them whereas much younger souls they've got no experience of that they don't know what it feels like and they might just laugh at someone or pick on them right so that's that's how i see young you might tell if someone's a younger soul or an older soul by how they view other people and how they treat people
0: yeah so about 10 years ago I did a past life regression because I just wanted to try it you know I was trying different things and I was very interested in the concept of past lives or I usually say other lives because everything's happening right now right so I did it and I was feeling the feelings of the lives that I was in And you cannot make that up. Like, I'm not an Oscar winning actress, so I can't make myself, you know, cry on cue (laughs) or feel certain feelings. Normal people like us, you know, you can't you can't make those feelings up. You know, like I was truly, truly scared. I was about to die. You know, I was feeling the fear of that lifetime so that's how I knew it was real like this has got to be real because I'm not making this up I'm not trying to be afraid or you know I really feel it like right now I'm about to cry and you know everything else so that's how it was real for me so if you're skeptical about past lives or other lives then try a regression. Try it. Yeah. yeah. You might might be surprised. It might open you up and open other worlds to you because it's definitely real.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting which lives come up the most unexpected things. Mm -hmm. I, I did this past life regression and somebody took me through it. And I found myself as a woman, about 30 years old living in 17th century Venice And afterwards she said to me, well, if you feel you're making it up, would you make that up? If you were thinking, Hey, I've got a really cool life in history. (laughs) Would I choose that? And I would Mm -hmm. think, no, I want to be a Spitfire pilot in the second world war, you know?
0: (laughs) So when you go into the regression, do you, do you go with an intent? Like I have some questions that I want answered or you just open to whatever comes up.
1: Yeah. But if, if I, to a past life regression i I just want to see what happens Mm -hmm. i'm there to explore and i've had some strange experiences a couple of times if i'm taking somebody into past life regression therapy then we do target it and we'll ask the spirit guides before we go into the past life we're saying can you take us to the source of this issue Mm -hmm. And then we'll, we'll work our way through that life and we'll see how it comes together. And we can spot this energy and see how it's crossing over. And then we can do that thing where we talk to the subconscious and ask them to stop it. Mm-hmm. But I, I had um past life regression and I was jumping around between these different lives. I must have seen four or five lives in this regression, but then towards the end, I saw myself as like a 17 year old would you say boy or man and you're 17 boy and I, I was man I was boy
0: walking, yeah
1: <laughs> and I I was walking through this street in London and it seemed to be like the early 50s and I was wearing this suit and I just had my hair cut and I thought I was fantastic and I was thinking hey check me out in this, this great suit don't I look fantastic And I walked through the door of this pub and suddenly I just shot straight up in the air and I just kept going higher and higher and higher. And it was like my soul was heading away from the earth. And I was looking down on the earth and then this big black hole opened up in space next to me. And I went over to it and I looked inside it and I felt really scared. And I thought, I don't want to go down that hole. (laughs) And this thought came to me. It was like the shadow of the valley of death or something, and then suddenly it was like instantly I was back in the chair with the hypnotherapists. Like I was thrown out of that point. Mm-hmm. And then there was a something, somebody next to me. And it was, I took to be like my spirit guide or somebody. And it was like their cheek was touching my cheek
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: had such a huge smile. And they were saying, we're so glad you came here today to do this regression And even though the wall to my right was maybe three feet away, it was like, I could see 20 feet away. And there were all these people, maybe 20 people. And they were all there as well. Like they were there to support me. Like they were part of my soul group, Mm -hmm. but there was this really bright light behind them. So they were all in silhouette. And that's, you know, I got that other message saying, Oh, everybody's so happy. You came here today. Mm -hmm. So that that's another one of my weird experiences that if you, you know, if having a past life regression isn't weird enough. <laughs> that's something that jumped out.
0: So, when you walked into that bar and you shot up into the heavens, did you die when you walked into the bar? Did something happen?
1: No, I don't think so. I think the my spirit guides, you know, whoever was in charge, just said, "Right now is the time. We, we're going to talk to you. So we need to get you out of there."
0: hmm and yeah, what was, was the black hole
1: i don't know you know because people who have near-death experiences a number of them um, not many of them some people think if you have a near-death experience you go down this tunnel the tunnel of light or the dark tunnel and there's a light at the end but actually the research shows maybe just 15 percent of people who have a near-death experience see this tunnel but maybe that's what i saw
0: so what did they see then
1: when they have the near-death experience, yeah,
0: if they're going down, if they're not seeing the tunnel of light or the portal yeah. of light, what I call the porter of light to the other side, then what are they seeing?
1: Well, they they're just there. I heard uh, one of the guests call it the blink. It's like you blink your eyes and instantly you're in this other place. And I, I've heard uh, oh. she she was. In Iraq, as a civilian working with the U.S. Army, and a bomb went off underneath their vehicle, and that's what caused her near-death experience. And she said the bomb went off, and she floated out of her body, and she was looking at this wreckage, and then instantly she was somewhere else in the afterlife with all these other spirits. And then oh, I talked to wow this, this so other woman. Very
0: yeah. spontaneous, like it's, they don't even travel. It's like, oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. And there was this other woman, she went to her grandparents' apartment. Ooh. And her grandparents were there. Her grandparents, you know, they, they died. All four of them were there. And it was kind of like they were saying, we've replicated this apartment from your memory, from when you were a child. Everything you see here was made just for you, just for this time while you're having this experience. Mm-hmm. And she could look out the window and see the whole town, And she was taken to all these different places by her grandparents and they were all constructed. And it's like, it's all real. You see the whole town, everything's there. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that many times before as well.
0: Yeah. I think they do that on the other side. Like um, my father died over 30 years ago and I had a reading with a, a medium and he said that my father, he could see my father in a place that looked like a rural setting, you know, like a countryside. And that this is the kind, he said, this is the kind of scenery that your father likes. Like, this is what makes him comfortable. Like he created it for himself, which makes sense because he comes from a very small town in New Hampshire and it's very rural there. So wow. I told the mediums, like, yeah, that makes sense that that you see that because that's kind of where he comes from. That's what his home looks like, his childhood, you know, place where he grew up. So I think they yeah. can do that. So I guess they can do that for people who have the NDE or, you know, when you pass. You know, it's amazing, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I, like, I talked to a woman called Nancy Rines when she had her near-death experience, she was walking through this countryside and she said, it seemed like Scotland. She was from Arizona. Mm-hmm. And she said there was all these forests and these mountains in the distance. And she was there with her spirit guides and she turned around and looked behind her and the whole landscape was just dissolving away into a mist. And they said to her, yeah, we, this is just for you, this place, we made it just for you at this moment. And it's interesting that, you know, it seems like when somebody has a near-death experience, whoever's in charge, the spirit guides or whoever will be watching you. And they might plan to do this near-death experience because they know something's coming up where they get access to you. Or it might be suddenly something happens. They think, oh, oh quickly, grab them, grab them. They're dead. Mm-hmm. We can we can take them through this thing. <laughs> and it's like they're getting a spiritual kick up the ass by being taken through this near-death experience.
0: Or you may have planned it and they they had it planned, you know, they were waiting and ready for you, for that person. Um, Have you ever seen that movie contact? I think it's called contact.
1: With Jodie Foster.
0: Yeah. And she, and it's been a long time since I saw that movie, but didn't she end up at a beach?
1: Yeah. With her father.
0: Right. Right. It's sort of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Does yeah, anybody ever see, like, something scary when they're in their near-death experiences? Like,
1: Yeah, yeah. This is they're known as n- distressing near-death experiences. Okay. And I think they probably happen more often than we hear about because people are afraid to talk about them. They can be really quite hellish. And I did talk to a woman who wrote a book all about them, and in her research she said people always – at the end, they get out of there and they end up in the light and they, they get out of there somehow. But, um, you know, I suppose if somebody had a near-death experience where they went to hell, they're not going to tell people about it because you'll think, you went to hell? What have you done that you're so bad you're going to go to hell? But um, there was a guy, Howard Storm, who was an atheist. He's one of my guests on the podcast. He was in um, Paris. He was 30 years old and he had this terrible stomach pain, and he ended up in the Paris Hospital. And the it was a small hospital on the outskirts, and it was the weekend, and the doctors had all gone home, and they wouldn't be back till Monday. And the nurses said they can't give him painkillers because the doctors have to prescribe them. And so he was in terrible pain. It turned out that his stomach had ruptured and his juices were leaking into his rest of his body Mm -hmm. and uh he found himself standing next to the bed looking down at himself but he was such an atheist he didn't work out he was dead (laughs) and he tried to talk to his wife and he got annoyed that she was ignoring him but he heard these voices out in the hallway of the hospital saying hey coward now's your time we've got to go and he thought ah i can have my operation he thought he he said it did seem a bit weird that all the pain had gone i felt perfectly normal Mm-hmm. And there were these people in the hallway and they started walking and the hallway was really long. And he said, I don't remember the building being this big. They got darker and darker as they went along and eventually got to a point where he could barely see them. And he said to them, I'm going to go back. And they started shoving him and they got really quite aggressive and kept pushing him forward. And eventually it was complete darkness. And uh, he got into so much happened. He got into this huge fight and they, jumped on him and he was really badly beaten and this is part of his near-death experience and uh, he tried to say a prayer to try and get help because he started to realize perhaps he was dead and it was funny because he said he's an atheist he doesn't know any prayers he -hmm. started reciting Shakespeare and then he started reciting something about the American flag and then he remembered the Lord's Prayer and he started saying that and all of these nasty people who seemed to be lost souls, they all started backing off and they got really aggressive shouting at him, saying, this won't help you. You're lost. We've got you now. But he noticed they were going further and further away. So he kept saying his prayer over and over. And this light appeared above him. And this uh, guy came down, picked him up, and carried him off into the light. Now, Howard Storm says this was Jesus that collected him. And I always worry about that. So I think these spiritual entities, they can present themselves however they want. And if they feel that you'll respond well to seeing Jesus, that's, and that, that's how they present themselves. And I said to him, how, how did you know it was really Jesus? And he kind of laughed. He goes, oh, you know, if you met him, you'd know. <laughs> so, he, so then he had this much more, much happier experience, you know, uh, the. And then he eventually became a pastor. He went to seminary and studied the Bible and what have you. And there was another woman who she was in a coma for about three weeks. And her near-to-death experience for her lasted about two years. Wow. And And she was in this place of hell. And she was getting attacked by a demon. And all these things were really bad. And she said something to him like, why is it so bad right now? And the demon said, oh, it's always this bad at Christmas. It's like in the hell, they treat you worse when it's Christmas on earth or something. And she started singing a Christmas carol and the demon got really angry with her. But singing that carol is what lifted her out of this bad place. So it's interesting that Howard Storm did something like saying a prayer. She sang a Christmas carol and that was what brought her into the light. And she's, um, I think her name's McCarthy. I've talked to so many people. So there's two people. They had these distressing near-death experiences. And then there's other people who have experiences who are kind of in between. They're not really distressing, but they're not really amazing. They don't Mm -hmm. go into all the love.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, there's a guy who was in this landscape that looked like there'd been a nuclear war and it was a city that was destroyed. But while he was there, he didn't feel that bad. And there was this huge mechanical egg with holes in it. And he was able to put his hand in and take out these cogs. And there was a voice that would speak to him and say, you can change your life. Each one of these cogs is an effect that like if that cog you just took out. That's a bad experience. So now you've taken it out. You're not going to have that bad experience. And so he started taking all these cogs out. <laughs>
0: He's like um, get them all out right now, <laughs>
1: yeah, but then some of these cogs are a good experience, and also there's this idea, hey, if I'm taking all these experiences out, does that mean I'm shortening my life because I'm taking loads of stuff out of it? Mm-hmm. so that experience was you know in between really good and really bad. He didn't see any demons or any hell or he wasn't attacked, yeah, it was just this weird thing, and it's it's that idea that. You'll get the near-death experience that is best for you, that will change your life and change you in the best way. And so, do you,
0: do you think there's a connection between, you know, people who believe in hell or, or people who don't believe in an afterlife and having a negative near-death experience? Do you think their no, belief system has anything to do with what they experience?
1: No, I don't. I really don't. And there's, you know. Lots of people are in that position where they may have died. It might be a heart attack. It might be an operating theatre and something's gone wrong and they're brought back to life and they may be flatlined for 10 minutes and they have no near-death experience, no memory of it. And these other people have multiple ones. They might be like 10 years apart. There might be an instant where they die and they have a near-death experience every time. Um, nobody knows why you might have one and might not have one but yeah. um
0: and you never yes. know what kind of experience it's going to be like
1: yeah and there's some people who who could be absolute such nice people their whole lives, and they'll have a distressing experience mm-hmm. and other people who may be murderers and they'll have a lovely heavenly experience and also they see if you're in like in the east maybe if you're in india you have a near-death experience you see, a, you might see a hindu god there mm-hmm. you don't see jesus mm-hmm. and then other people in china or japan they they see other things it's kind of cultural it's like because that's who you are and how you grew up they give you the near-death experience that you can interpret for yourself in the best way
0: unless you're someone like me who just sees everything <laughs> <laughs> I you see Ganesh, need one i see jesus i see angels i see you know <laughs> yeah
1: That's... it seems like there's a lot of people who have them because they they need that kick in the butt to get their right. lives together right so if I your life's you're... already together
0: right so i think they see what they need to see while yeah. they're there yeah so there's some kind of higher purpose to it or plan to it but I have to agree with that guy about Jesus. Like, you know, it's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: there's a weird thing. Oh, sorry. Ahead. There's a weird thing in um, in the East, like in India and in that area where people have near-death experiences and they're taken on and they meet up with this Hindu God and the God has an assistant with a book and they're looking in the book and they say, oh, yeah, we've got such and such for you. And uh, the god will say, no, hang on, that's the wrong person. And it's almost like a clerical error that they have <laughs> grabbed this person. And that's something that's seen quite often, this weird idea that they've, they've made a mistake in the afterlife. It's like, oh, sorry, we brought you here by accident. You shouldn't be dead. We'll, we'll just put you back in your body and we'll go and get the right person.
0: No way. Do you remember the
1: name of the Hindu god? I don't the name Shiva comes to mind, but I'm not sure that's the right Mm -hmm. one.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he's male. That's so interesting. So maybe there is some, you know, there's cultural differences. Like each culture has their own deities and gods and beings that come and help. But the other thing is when he called on Jesus or she sang a Christmas song, that i to me is like a prayer that they did and that shows you that prayers are answered
1: yeah yeah i've heard weird stuff about that as well i could talk forever about all these things that i've heard about (laughs) me too (laughs) every time i have a guest on the podcast it's they've almost all had a book out and i read the book so that i can get my questions together And so I I must have read 150 books on these subjects now, as well as all the stuff I was into before getting to this point.
0: So that makes you, you know, in my eyes, an expert because, and this is really like research because you're talking to all these people about their experiences and reading their books. So after a while you start hearing some similar, you start picking up on patterns and connections and so that's amazing well i can't wait to listen to your podcast now i need to put that on <laughs> my phone and i'll be listening to your podcast it again it's called the past lives podcast and um simon i enjoyed talking to you so much thank you for being on the show
1: it's been really good i've really enjoyed it and uh, it, you know it's been, been talking to you for about an hour or so now And it feels like it's only 10 minutes. I could easily do another hour. So it's been great talking to you.
0: Yeah, well, you're more than welcome to come back um, if there's another topic you want to talk about. But I learned so much today, and I'm sure that, you know, my audience has. And definitely, I'm going to check out your podcast. Check out mine, too. You might like some of the topics that we talk about, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Simon.
1: It's been great. Thanks a lot for having me on.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at at contactstargazingangelgmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook, and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.